on Saturday, April 5th, 1997, uh, a prayer seminar at Lake Point Baptist Church, Seeking God's Heart, led by Brenda Cox. Uh, why have prayer? What prayer is all about? Does prayer change God's mind? Does it make a difference in the overall outcome, or is God going to act anyway? Uh, so I th I'm hoping that by the time we get through with uh, the session today, we'll have a really profound sense of the tremendous possibilities that are available to us, that God gives us. It's not something that we can rise up and claim. God gives us the gift of partnership with him. And a part of the way in which he wants us to be partners with him in changing this world is by, by entering into the ministry and the service of prayer. Um, so let's pray and ask the Lord to guide us today. Father, thank you so much for giving us the privilege of uh, being co-workers, fellow laborers with you in this world and of desiring that we come to you in an intimate relationship and that we use prayer to come to you and we use prayer to be your instruments for effecting change in the lives of others and in this world. Help us, Lord, as you teach us today to really come to know the dynamics of prayer. Thank you that we can uh, boldly enter into your presence. And thank you for this special day of sunshine and blue skies and for the rains that have come to water this earth. And we praise you that you are the Lord of life. And I praise you for each woman who is here today and for each man that's here today. And I thank you for their lives. And I thank you for their hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. Uh, many decades ago, there were two um, sisters, uh, unmarried sisters that lived together in England. And one was an invalid. And um, she had not been able to uh, really attend church for a number of years there in London. But her sister faithfully went um, every week. And um, she would always come back and tell her, uh, her invalid sister uh, about the worship service and what the pastor had had to say. And uh, she took copious notes so that she could really help bring the worship experience and the sermon back to uh, her sister who, uh, for almost 10 years, was not able to go to church. Um, one Sunday, um, after attending church, the, the um, sister came home and she uh, was talking to her, um, her sister who was in a wheelchair um, about the service. She said, you'll never believe who was there today. And uh, her sister said, who? And she said, Dwight Moody was there today. And, um, and uh, he preached. And um, as a matter of fact, when he preached, uh, he and the pastor both afterwards met 
and both felt a real sense of coldness and detachment from the people, that there was no sense of the spirit moving. And both the pastor and Dwight Moody were very concerned because this was Dwight Moody's first real journey to Europe. And um, they were concerned about it because it just felt like the Lord was not blessing what he had said. And he had preached a good sermon, but it did not seem to be falling on listening ears or open hearts. Um, so um, the sister just shared that uh, the, there was no response when he gave the invitation for people to accept the Lord as their Savior, and that that was surely a discouragement to Dwight Moody. And as she was talking, she noticed that her sister's face was kind of growing uh, pale. And, and she stopped and looked at her and she said, I cannot believe, the sister who was an invalid said, I cannot believe Dwight Moody is here. She said, I have been praying for him to come to Europe for 10 years. She said, don't bother me. I'm going into my room. Don't talk to me. Don't give me anything to eat. I'm going to fast and pray for the rest of the day. She said, I cannot believe he's here. And so she fasted and she prayed um, all day. And um, her sister went back to the services that night without even being able to say anything to her sister who was still uh, in fasting and praying through to the end of the service. And um, when she, she went to the service and, and the uh, service was filled, the sanctuary was filled, and Dwight Moody preached a sermon again, and he, he said, you know, at the end of the service, he said, you know, I, I would really like to invite those of you who really would like to have a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and who have not yet done that, who have not yet accepted him as their Savior, to just stand. And people started standing all over the... Uh, the sanctuary and in a minute almost everyone in the entire sanctuary was standing and Dwight Moody looked at the pastor and he thought I don't think they understood what I said so he went back through it and he said I need to let you know that I'm not asking you to stand if you are a Christian what I'm asking you to do is stand if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and have never done that and he said with those that have already accepted Christ as their Savior or who who don't yet want to enter into this walk with him would you please sit down and no one sat down. That evening, 400 people accepted Christ as their Savior in that service. And that, was, that marked the launching pad beginning of the European Crusades of uh, Dwight Moody, who was the, one of the most famous evangelists in the, the late 18, in the late 1800s and early 1900s in the world. The difference between the morning when no one responded to anything and the evening was this one invalid woman fasting and praying all day. And she had prayed for 10 years that he would come to London. In World War II, one of the great battles of the war was the Battle of Dunkirk. And it was a battle that really was a defeat for the Allies, but it it turned out not to be seen by the Allies or felt as a defeat. Um, they were uh, on the shores of France fighting the Germans, and the German armies were pushing about 300,000 <coughs> Allied troops to uh, 
pushing them back to the, sh to the shore of the English Channel. And um, the, uh, the Panzer Army units uh, of the Germans were, were uh, coming toward them to where they knew, and Churchill knew, and Roosevelt knew that we were getting ready to have an annihilation of their troops because uh, they were no match for the superior numbers and the superior firepower that the Germans had in that battle. And um, so as the uh, um, Allied uh, forces and uh, the leadership met to discuss what to do because they knew they were going to, to lose all of their men, um, they decided to start uh, a sea lift to go into the shores, the beachhead of uh, Dunkirk area and uh, try to rescue as many as they could before the, uh, the tank, the army of tanks, uh, approached them and annihilated them. So they began sending out uh, hundreds of, uh, of ships uh, to do that. He got on the radio to the British people and told them that these were perilous times and we were about to lose uh, 300,000 men to the Germans. Um, the people began uh, to go in their, their rowboats, their fishing boats, their sailboats, their yachts across the English Channel to pick up their men. And strangely and mysteriously, they thought they were only going to have one night to do that because of the nearness of the panzer units. But suddenly the panzer units stopped about a mile from the, uh, the, shore, the beachhead. And they stopped for three days. 